The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. One of the things that Ursula Franklin writes about is that technology is actually a way of doing things. That, and, so, and so she pushes her listeners to really think about technology in a, in a wider sense and to think about appropriate technology. Um, and, and that's a phrase that I am really, really obsessed with right now is appropriate technology. What are the mm-hmm. appropriate technologies for getting the kind of work done that we're trying to do. And so she was a big influence. She also wrote really beautifully about democracy and feminism and 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 a lot of subjects in a really just really accessible, beautiful way. And and the other thing I really got from her is because she's a Quaker, she talks about silence as a space for something to happen. Mm-hmm. And I and I love that idea. And I think that, you know, when we're doing creative work, like to to make time for silence and solitude and to really make space for things to happen. I think that is really a a beautiful lesson for all creative people to learn. And welcome back to part two of another special edition of The Writer Files. Focus squarely on creativity and how to keep the creative juices flowing under duress. The New York Times bestselling author Austin Kleon is back to talk more about his journey, awareness of technology, and his new book. And a quick note that this podcast is produced solely by yours truly and New Media Dojo, my production moniker, and I am incredibly thankful to you for your continued listenership and loyalty. Please do me a favor. If you love the show, just point your web browser to writerfiles.fm or you can subscribe on your favorite directory, leave us a comment or question, and find the entire archives, all 160 shows, at writerfiles.fm. And while you're there, I humbly ask you to find that little yellow donate button to support the show with a secure donation to help us keep going with more great writerly content. And for supporters who give $25 or more, leave me a note. I will include your name and the type of writing you're working on, on air or in the show notes. Just head over to writerfiles.fm, click that little yellow PayPal donate button, and thank you sincerely. Okay, Austin Kleon has been deemed one of the most interesting people on the internet, and he is a writer who draws, best known for illustrated creativity manifestos, steal like an artist, and show your work. His latest, Keep Going, 10 Ways to Stay Creative in Good Times and Bad, is the third book in his box set. It offers 10 simple, timeless, practical rules for how to stay creative, focused, and true to yourself for life. Important messages 
writers lie ahead. In part two of this file, Austin and I discussed why unplugging is so important for writers, a return to the importance of productive procrastination, the unsolvable tension for creatives between connection and disconnection, the author's love of being lazy, why we need to redefine productivity, zen and the art of getting things done, and how it can be woke without waking to the news. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives at writerfiles.fm, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you tune in, and in the show notes. Stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think that unplugging piece is a really important one for writers, especially to remember, again, just kind of coming back to the same theme <laughs> over and over. Um, but yeah, I mean, that retreating from the world so that we can, you know, I don't know if it's meditation or, or if it's what our brains from a neuroscience perspective are doing is um, they're working in the background, right? While sure. we're doing other things. So coming back to your productive procrastination piece, which we talked about um, many years ago, which I always reference in, in these interviews. Um, and people are always like, oh, that's such a great phrase. And I think that was your phrase or, you, or I quoted you. Or close. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, but I the think productive, it is. Yeah. Because you were talking about how, you know, if you get bored of one project, you could just move to another desk. You had like three different desks going at, yes. at, at the same time. You still, <laughs> do you still practice the three desk method? <laughs> I do. I mean, I'm a, I, I do like I'm at the digital desk right now. Um, yeah. and, and, but over there is the, is the analog desk across the room and that's where all the paper and pencils are. And I try to keep electronic things off of there. Um, I do cheat and I have an electric pencil sharpener on that, on that <laughs> desk and I guess a lamp, but otherwise everything's, uh, there's no digital stuff allowed over there. But yeah, productive procrastination has literally been that's one of those things that has has, you know, kind of changed my life. Uh, and in just that you can always use uh, something to um, like kind of goof off with another project if you're stuck on one project. (laughs) And then you can just like, I like to switch between the two until I'm like kind of done with one of them. But um, as far as the disconnection thing uh, piece for for writers, one of my favorite uh, writers in recent time is a guy named Tim Kreider. And he just said this beautiful thing that I I just really responded to. He said, it's hard to find anything to say about life without immersing yourself in the world. But it's also just about impossible to figure out what it might be or how to best say it without getting the hell out of the world again. So, 
So to me, that illustrates the the perfect problem with creative work, which is we know we have to be connected to the world in order to be inspired and come up with ideas for our work. But then we also know that you have to disconnect from it long enough to figure out what the world has done to us and what what's in you know how it's worked out in our head and like what yeah. we want to do with it then and and actually turn it into something. Right. That's the that's that catch twenty two that uh, creatives face. Right. It's that. <laughs> You can't work in a vacuum, but uh, you do need to work in a vacuum sometimes. So there's the, that constant interplay of of uh, having to engage and then disengage. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. And I'm interested in one of the things that I think as I get older, I'm more comfortable with acknowledging that something is always going to be a struggle rather than something to be like a problem to be solved. Like Mm -hmm. that, that tension between connection and disconnection, you will never solve that problem. It's not a problem to solve. It, It is life. Like that is what it is. And I think that so many of these things that we worry about like can be re kind of they can be rethought out in terms of like a never ending game, you know, or some mm. sort of infinite game or some sort of like never ending struggle that just like you just never will overcome. But the struggle is exactly what gives your life meaning, you know, like Viktor Frankl wrote really beautifully about that in a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. It's not that, you know, he says, you know, man doesn't need a tensionless state. Well, what man needs is something to struggle against. And, and, uh, I find that a lot in terms of, um, work and family, like, um, art and kids, for example, 
are are usually like put at odds with each other that you know if you're spending time <laughs> with your kids you're not spending time on art and you know that kind of thing there's the Cyril Connolly line the uh, enemy of art is the pram in the hall uh, <laughs> and uh, pram for Americans is another word for a stroller right. um, so like I think about this a lot like what if we rethought you know, like the art and family thing is something that I'm working out in my head where I'm like, it's not a problem to be solved. It's just a thing that you're going to have to grapple with. And like, uh, Tom Waits talks a lot about that, that career and family don't really, one's a, one's a faucet and one's a drain or something like that. I forget what he says. I don't really, (laughs) I'm not sure that I like that metaphor, but (laughs) I I like the idea that there are just basic tensions in life that will never be resolved. You just have to deal with them. There's, it's like, and I, and I, uh, I just think that so many people now we're such a answers culture where it's like, you know, you want something to be solved. So like, I'm going to solve all my productivity issues right now. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? And I'm just very interested in like this kind of different way of being where it's like, I know I'm pulled between these two poles and I know the fact that I'm pulled between them is what gives my work meaning. So one Hmm. of the things I've been talking to a lot with people is, is that I I'm trying to work out for myself how I can be, I, I feel like I'm a pretty productive person. Like I feel like I've done a lot and I feel like I, write a lot and I I feel like I do produce a lot, but I also feel deeply lazy and I (laughs) love, love doing nothing. And I love being lazy and I love just sitting around like my favorite. I love to sit on my ass and watch TV and drink whiskey like that, you know? And so (laughs) I'm like, how do these two things coexist? Because it seems like the dominant you know, message today is that, well, if you stop drinking whiskey and watching TV and sitting on your ass on the couch, you'll get more done. And I'm like, is that true though? Like, is my ability to get things done also rooted? Like, does the laziness give the work meaning? Would the work be meaningful without the laziness? Like, these are the Mm. kinds of things I'm like trying to work out right now for myself. And I've come to the conclusion that like, the two uh, bouncing between the po- two poles is what makes the work, you know, like that's what makes yeah. me, me and I'm not interested in solving it anymore. I'm like, well, th- there's, this is just how you operate. And I'm also very interested in that there are different times and places for everything. Um, and so it, these are just like some of the ideas I'm working out and it's interesting being someone who is shelved in self-help, because, um, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like self-help is really – people go there for answers. You know, the, the fundamental thing with self-help is I don't have a plan. I need a plan. Can you give me one? And right. as much as I love playing – I mean as, as much as I'm happy to play that role in some cases, I want – I feel this real deep need now to kind of expand and to get people to think more broadly and um and to just kind of i just i really think everyone just give needs to give themselves a break you know i i think i remember talking to my parents you know my parents are boomers and they're retired and they're 
you know, sometimes I talk to them about work and I'll be like, what did you do at work? Cause you know, they, they were, you know, my mom was a, my mom was an administrator, so she was pretty much working all the time, but my dad had more of a desk job and I will ask them like, well, what did people do before the internet? And my mom would be, my mom would say like, oh, people used to read the paper. You know, they used to sit at their desk and read the paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just such a for, – for you know, I'm 35, so it's like for me that whole, oh, yeah. Like people used to dick around at work like 20, 30 years ago too. It's not like this is just some new problem. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because if you look at the charts, like Americans have never been more productive. Like all the productivity stats are, are like – or at least the, the corporate – you know, uh, income levels are, I mean, none of these companies are hurt. Everyone's making money and doing well. It's literally just that the American worker is not seeing the return of it, you know? Hmm. And so the, the message from all these companies is like, well, you need to work harder and be more productive and then you'll, you know, whatever. And I think we're all waking up to this fact that it's like, wait a minute, like, what do you mean work hard? Like, we're all working hard. Like, are we working on the right things, you yeah. know? And so it becomes like, that's why I think, you know, it's interesting if you go back to some of the classics of productivity, like how zen they actually are. Like, David Allen's Getting Things Done, it was interesting. I avoided that book I avoided that book the way I would imagine some people probably avoid Steal Like an Artist now because <laughs> they're like, that book is too popular to be any good. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I finally read uh, Getting Things Done like a couple of years ago, and I was amazed at how zen that book was, like how much David Allen talked about like it wasn't just like life hacks – David Allen really talks in that book about like figuring out what is important and prioritizing and like the goal of work is not to like do more work. It's to do good work and to like, you know, get done what you to spend time on what you want to spend time on, you know, and I, I thought that book was just like when I read it, I thought this is so much deeper than anything that's being done on the topic now, hmm. <laughs> you know, cause now mm -hmm. it's just like a foregone conclusion. Like, well, you know, you want to be more productive. So here's a list of 50 life hacks to do it. You know, whereas, <laughs> um, you know, I found the David Allen book when I finally read it to just be really deep. And, and I felt, I don't know what his background is, but he seemed like there was a real Zen element to it. I can't think of a better word, but, I felt very like a very a Zen thread running through mm. it. It really surprised yeah. me, and I just thought um, I was really impressed. But I think everyone needs to kind of like push themselves in this day and age. And I think that's the great thing about chaotic times. If there is a great thing, is that you really have to kind of like figure out what's important to you. You know, there's that kind of mental triage that goes on. Is like what what's worth saving in this environment? You know, like what, and that can be like. Uh, simply a matter of like, what do you want to spend more time on in your life? But it can also be like, what's worth saving in this culture? Like, what do I want to hold on to? Like, what what in a democracy is worth my time, worth saving and keeping around? You know, like for me, it's like public libraries. Like public libraries are something where my deep-seated values 
uh, connect with what I think keeps a democracy functioning. Right. And mm, so like mm-hmm. that is a site in American life that I'm like, want to put a lot of effort into and to shore up and to like fortify, you know, but like, that's the cool thing about, you know, chaotic times, I think is that it really levels everything in a way that you really start thinking about like, what's actually important to me. Yeah. I think I saw really good stuff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Yeah, it's it's important now more than ever that that we take time to to just think about these things and and cuz you know, again, we're just we are being inundated productivity, I think I've talked about this before, probably just needs to be redefined. We need to um you know, I think I went back to the original Latin um productivitas, which really translates to creative power, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we, I think in, in this cu- culture, especially America, you know, we're being asked to do more with less. Um, and I think it's making us unhappy. I mean, especially when you look at like these always on or like open concept work spaces where you know, I've heard so many people complain that they're, they're, they don't work, you know, they don't, they don't yeah. lend to productivity or creativity. They actually kind of dampen both <laughs> well and and Ironically. i think an open plan office is really like an example of how a couple of people made the decision well i mean you could talk a lot about it whether it's like a surveillance state or, or whatever it is <laughs> but like you know i think there you could you could take a more malevolent like or a more like investigative look at it um, and think about, you know, the power of, of management or whatever. But like, <laughs> I also think that in some ways the open office thing was like a couple of people got the idea that like, oh, it's good for people to be in the same space. Cause then they're like more creative or what, you know what I mean? I feel like people no. got the wrong idea and then took it too far, you know, <laughs> but whenever I visit an open office space, I'm always thinking like, once again, this is like people let dualistic thinking kind of like, you know, triumph where I'm always thinking to myself, like, you know, there should be commons there. There should be a great commons area in every office where people can get together and hang out and like share ideas. And then there should be little pods. They used to call them cubicles, (laughs) you know, where like people, it's so funny now. I think everyone's dying for a cubicle now. Like people used to talk about cubicles and how awful they were. And now everyone's just like, Oh, please give me a cubicle again. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Like I had a boss who, when I was a copywriter would literally, he would be 
he was like, you always have to have instant messenger open. He was basically like, you <laughs> always have to be available for me to interrupt you. Like that was like, that was his actual management style. And I was Jeez. like, that was just like one, <laughs> you know? So it was just like, it's stuff like that, that, that really, yeah. I mean, it's been so long since I worked in an office, um, at this point that I, my heart goes out to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um, well, before we uh, wrap up here with uh, where listeners can connect with you out there, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to do this. And I, I really did uh, resonate with the message in the book. Um, I'm enjoying it very much. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, very important wisdom. Keep Going is the book, 10 Ways to Stay Creative in Good Times and Bad. Um, but this it's exciting, man. And I'm, I'm excited for you. I know you've got a lot of... Uh, ahead of you a busy uh tour ahead the book 10 ways to stay creative in good times and bad is um really re really a great read i think uh, i encourage readers to find it and savor it uh because it, it speaks to just an important like moment and and time uh right now especially for creatives and anyway you know anybody but obviously i think um speaks to to writers and, and creatives especially Congrats on the work. Uh, one of my favorite pages, you can be woke without waking to the news. I love that uh, <laughs> the, the, the airplane mode uh, theme there. Yes, airplane yeah. mode can be a way of life. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I, have your, I have your how to read more um, list on my uh, office wall. I look at it daily. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you for this. Oh, of course, yeah. Hey, thanks for coming back on and updating your file. It's always great to talk with you. Um, best of luck with everything. I know you're 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 going on tour. Uh, looks like you're starting in Texas and then you're going around uh, the country. And I might try to catch you in Denver. That would be great. I'm doing yeah. a, a gig in Denver and then I'm doing a gig in Boulder. So uh, yeah, we've got that, and we've got those places covered. So I would love yeah, to man. see you. Love the tattered cover. Um, great. The uh, website is austincleon.com. Um, I believe we can catch you on Twitter and Instagram at Austin Cleon. You are on Facebook at mr.austin.cleon. Where else do you want to uh, point listeners to connect with you out there? Well, I mean, my favorite thing that I do online now is I put out a weekly newsletter and you can subscribe to that for free on my website, austincleon.com. Yeah, man. Definitely check that one out. Again, thank you, Austin, and uh, best of luck with your tour. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. You can always leave us a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm, where we also humbly ask you to support the show with a secure donation to help us keep going. Just click the little yellow PayPal donate button over at writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. And thank you. Oh, no, 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 no.